EN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are broadcasting live today from the Wisconsin Farm Technology Show that is taking place in Clark County, Wisconsin. Lots of things happening out here. Great to see such excitement for agriculture. And the neat thing of being able to travel across uh, a few states like I did was just seeing the development of what the crops look like. And, and just like we see in South Dakota and in areas of Nebraska, there's some dry land struggles as well going on here in wisconsin well speaking of struggles it was an interesting marketing day once upon us again we saw some lower numbers in the crude cotton limit down recession fears but we had a wazi report as well how much of factor was that even into what we saw in the trade today we're going to get those details and a lot more today as john heinberg joins us he's with total farm marketing and let's first of all talk about what's going on in the crude market because everybody in agriculture has been watching what those barrels have been doing you know we've had a real difficult time since we put the highs in there in that crude oil market. A lot of that's tied to the demand side of the equation. You're watching what happened in terms of those COVID lockdowns in China and what's going on there. So that's put a lot of pressure on the crude oil market. Plus just also the rhetoric that's out there just bringing oil prices down. I think that just brings speculator money to the sidelines out of fear. You know, now we bring some technical selling that we had all the way in the end of June, falling apart again today. And, you know, when that crude oil market starts to tumble, it's real difficult for anything in the commodity space to get a bid. And I think that was a big factor today. You know, even before that WASD report came out. Uh, let's talk about the WASD. Because you sat down here at the farm show and talked to me. I said, well, we can talk about the WASD report and the look on your face said it all. Not that big of a market mover. You know, we got the numbers today, and usually the July report, obviously, is the carryover from the acreage report at the end of June and how things go into the balance sheet. And, you know, things were a little bit of disappointing, at least in terms of a little heavier than we anticipated in some of the numbers. You're watching corn carry out. I'm going to focus more on that 22-23 number, 1.47 million bushels. You know, that was up uh, basically uh, 70 million bushels because of that acre move. And they did make an adjustment on some on feed usage that showed up from the grain stocks report. That was a little higher than the market expected, so... But it wasn't probably what was the main driver there. You go look at the soybean side, that was where the questions were going to be because of that acre shift. You know, we lost 2.6 million acres here off that June acreage report. So they put that into the balance sheet. I've seen no changes on yield. That brings production down about 135 million bushels, 125 million bushels. So we saw some demand adjustments that kept that carry out a little bit above expectations. They took 65 million bushels off in potential export demand for next year, took 10 million bushels off the crush side. So we still saw about a 70 million bushel drop but the market was thinking that number could be a little bit closer to the 200 level instead of at 230. So you know, so there we got a little bit heavier picture than we needed to and that's just kind of weighed on prices even on top of everything that was going on today. So it looked more like a macro fund liquidation type day like we were dealing with unfortunately going into and out of the 4th of July. So how fast did the market react to this report today and then just push it to the side to focus on more of those outside influences? You know, when the report hit we really didn't see a whole lot a price jump, uh, you know, markets danced around for about the first half hour or so, and then it kind of just settled in where we were trading going into that report. And then as things continued just to weigh heavy during the course of the day, you could just see prices continue to drift to, to those closes, you know, 60 down on beans, 40 down on the corn in that window. Uh, so again, you know, the report kind of came and went, and then the market really started focusing on those outside markets and that negative tone today. Is that negative? Is going to continue into the overnight trade tonight? 
more than likely you go you know today in report days sometimes it's about the price action and the fact that we finished near the bottom of the ranges today just leaves open some more selling plus with big moves like that you're going to have to be dealing with you know some margin selling people need to cover positions so that'll push this market around you know we're looking at retesting those lows from the right after the fourth of july so that's right within our shooting range for both corn and beans that might be an area we go test to make sure those lows hold john what about cotton going limit down there what was the driving factor for that you know, that cotton market's just been at a free fall like the rest of the commodity space here since the first part of June. And, you know, that's tied to the recession fears. That's also tied to some concerns regarding the economic conditions and maybe in China, what's going on with the cotton demand, as well as, you know, you do see some global supply stepping a little bit. But we push limit down again today on the cotton market, and that market just can't seem to get out of its way right now in its free fall. Recessionary fears. Uh, some say that if we're talking recession, we're already halfway through it. Kind of what's your spin on what's going on? You know, I still think there's some more pain coming here in this regard. There's just a lot of instability globally. You know, it's all been kind of building and building through this time frame. You know, just not even what's going on here in the United States in terms of the inflation costs and what's the Fed going to be doing with the money flow. And that was a part of it today, too, was a stronger dollar, at least to start the day today. You know, so there's a lot of things that are concerning out there. Uh, there's a lot of countries that have some issues. You know, one we're really kind of watching is what's going on in China, because obviously they're being the largest consumer in the world of, of commodities. If they are having economic conditions, that'll have uh, strong ripple effects throughout the entire economic globe. So let's expand a little bit more on this before we head to break. You you look at what's going on with China and and the frustrations uh, from a global perspective, you know, with what's been happening with COVID, what's raising with hogs. I mean, there's a lot of factors that could affect us here in ag and in the U.S., yeah, you know, you look at some of the things that are starting to kind of trickle out a little bit through some of the media lines. Again, they don't put a lot of information out there, but, you know, the large stimulus package came out here last week trying to fire up the economy. You got additional COVID lockdowns starting to come into play. That just slows down the, the supply chains more. You know, there's some issues in some of the banking system. Those banks are highly leveraged in the real estate side of things in China, and those some of those are starting to go uh, turn south on things right now. So it's really making some things look very concerning that, you know, if we have more information, maybe the markets would price it now so that's something we got to watch because obviously you know china's a strong the strongest economic power in terms of buying in the world you know when we had the recession in 2008 they kind of let us back out of it now if that's one of the reasons we go in it could make things even more difficult so from a producer perspective then if you're hearing all this talk about china how's that affect a local operation you know, you got to make sure you're maintaining your discipline on, on the defensive side. You know, as much as there's optimism regarding where prices could be, we're watching weather, and that's a big factor in the markets now, too, is what's happening in the weather models on a daily basis and not an hour-by-hour basis. You know, but you got to protect against the black swan event. Make sure you're keeping things in, in check in front of you. What's out there for just cheap protection? You don't have to put a lot into it. You know, I was looking at some uh, very ineffective costs today because if we did have a major black swan event, there's a lot of room for this to go. We're going to talk more about that when we come back. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we hear a lot from our customers and dealers that we have a family feel to our organization. Just ask Doug Bartek, a Fontenelle dealer at Wahoo, Nebraska. I feel Fontenelle is very family-oriented. They care a great deal about their customers and provide updates on what could be occurring out in the field and what to watch out for. I feel fortunate to work with a great group of people who provide a quality product. For more on being part of the Fontenelle family, just go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label direct. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield again as we broadcast from the Wisconsin Farm Technology Show taking place in Clark County. So you're going to hear 
gators and all the equipment behind us as it's been a great pack show for day one. John Heinberg joins us again. He's with Total Farm Marketing. And we left off kind of talking about all these other influences and kind of preparing for what's going on in China. And I wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper into China right now because they are such a vital role in what we see for ag economics here in the States. We saw that with the latest data coming out on, on meat purchases. Yeah, again, you know, they're the largest purchaser of the world. And, and again, the commodity markets just basically re- relies on their business. And, you know, and they convert that to get the supply chains moving into f- finished products. You know, yeah, you know, we got latest meat export council numbers came out for the month of May. And, you know, one of the big steps, and we've seen good numbers there, over a billion dollars in terms of meat value and beef value, excuse me, straight out the last four months. Uh, that's basically a record in that regard in terms of four consecutive months of over a billion dollars of sales. Uh, and China's become a major piece there. They've gone from basically non-existent in the beef export market to our third largest buyer in a really quick order as they've gotten a good taste for U.S. beef. And that's something that, in my mind, keeps me a little optimistic that beef market in the longer term. Got to feed the people. At some point, you've got to put politics aside and remember to feed the people. And that's still the big factor in this in the long run, as much as we have issues between ourselves and them in terms of government policy and just some of the rhetoric that goes on. That's very key. You know, they've got a billion people plus. They've got to make sure they got food in front of them that's fresh and available. And that's going to still keep them active in our markets because they know they can basically get it from two sources when it comes to either soybeans or beef and things of that nature. It's us in South America in mass quantities, uh, even though they've kind of moved us maybe to the side a little bit more here. Uh, they're still going to be a major part of the market. And they're still going to move the market when those opportunities come and we see them step in and be aggressive. John, what about the concerns with the breadbasket of the world and Russia and Ukraine and the continued conflict that we're seeing there? You know, that's something that's actually kind of fallen on the back burner, as unfortunate as this for the situation going there has become old news. You know, and the market, I think, has kind of forgotten about what has been missing in that area. You know, there's still a lot of bushels in terms of wheat as well as corn that's getting into harvest mode now or going to be getting harvested soon. That We don't have a way of getting that moved out. Uh, so that's still going to be something that comes into play. You know, as much as price has been kind of knocked around here recently, you know, we still got to look at the situation that the leading the six major grains in the world are at tight supplies on a historical level and there's still going to be some demand that's out there you're already starting to see some of the unrest starting to build in some of these countries and that food unrest is something key you know if these governments want to stay in power they know they got to feed their people and that lack of those ukraine bushels is still the major factor that's going to keep this market supported i was reading an article here the other day that says yeah we're worried about 22 but we need to start worrying about 23 very much so. If we don't get production back online, obviously you still got weather things that kind of could possibly build anywhere globally. You know that's all going to be a big factor in it. You know we've been talking about fertilizer prices for months now. You know how's that going to relate into next year's crop and things of that nature? You know there's still some room. I think that we got to get some more value into these crops at this time frame. You know, but again, you know we still got a lot of competition on that green space, especially between South America and especially Brazil. You, know, you look at that corn crop they're putting together this year, even though it's down from what we thought it was it is a record and that's some of the factor in this corn market right now is the fact that they're dumping their grain on the market and it's weighing on those global prices and bringing our prices down right with it let's flip the page a little bit and focus on the livestock is there some better days coming for this cattle market I think the last two days has been a bit of an indicator of what's possibly out there. And you talk about money flow and manage money and where the funds are. They took the cattle part, their cattle positions in the live cattle market down to 14,000 long, con- long contracts last week on the commitment of traders report. That's pretty thin. You know, we still got a cattle market in my mind that's undervalued according to what we're seeing in terms of the cash supplies out there. You go look at cash trade today, a little talk of some 148, you know, brewing in the north, 38, maybe in the south. That's a little bit higher. That helped propel that market higher. But just that strong 
strength today, you know, compared to where we were with the other markets, just tells me the money's maybe ready to step in and we have some really good moves. And then especially that feeder market, big breakout there today, tied to, again, the sell-off in the corn side. But again, you talk cash markets, there's a lot of value that's out there and the board is not reflecting that here at this time frame. It's crazy how tight the north is right now. Yeah, the northern cattle side of the market is extremely tight. I mean, we've got a 12 to $13 discrepancy in the cash market between the north and the south. Now, that's tied back to the placements we've seen for the last handful of months. The northern cattle have been placed well below the last five-year averages versus the southern have been pretty close to those five-year averages. So the north is very current. You know, the spreads are the spread between choice and select is fairly wide right now, telling me that the Packers are looking for quality. they got to bid up for it in the north or bring those southern cattle north. North, uh, to fill those demands. As we get ready to wrap up today's show, there has been a lot of digging deep into these cattle um, herds, and we're seeing more and more liquidation because of the dryness, short-term, long-term effects. I mean, long-term, I still think cattle prices are just getting started here. Realistically, look at cow slaughter over the last year or so. It's still running well ahead of pace. You know, and then we haven't seen, we've seen heavy placements because they've been pulling those heifers into those lots. So that's just going to keep those calf crops small going forward. All right, John, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Love chatting with them anytime. Give me a call, 800-334-9779 is our office. Shoot me an email at johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. And don't forget about that website, totalfarmmarketing.com. A lot of great info for producers. Thanks so much again, John, for joining us. As we always want to remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. On location at the Wisconsin Farm Tech Show taking place in Wisconsin, you're listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.